The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I can't believe I completely left this out in Mitch Palm yesterday, but Mitch Palm saw its shadow and predicted six more wins for K-State men's basketball this year, and one of them was last night. Wow. One of them was last night. Now, six more wins, including last night, that probably doesn't get you into postseason. It might might get you to the NIT, but NCAA tournament, I would Ah. doubt it. But, hey. We can always shoot for the moon, man. I if anything, last night's any indication, this team has not lost their fight at all. Man, that was awesome. That was so cool. Nigel Pack. With the three, the end of the game, take it Good away. Good to see uh, great play-by-play play right there. <laughs> yeah, David G's bringing the sound effects today. That's what I, I, that's what I want the TV guys to do. I don't know if that was a person or a children's toy just going off. <laughs> Dude, I got enough at home. I know what a children's toy sounds like now. So, listen, I just that's what I want from K-State. Just keep on fighting. I know it, it's, it's an uphill battle, but don't lose that fight because they wanted that win last night. Boy, they wanted that win bad. Mark Smith, that guy plays so hard. I, that guy, man, for being like kind of an undersized guy, good Lord. Well, we will talk about that win yesterday. Also coming up on the show, head coach of the women's basketball team, Jeff Mitty, is on at 440. We are going to hear from new K-State quarterback Adrian Martinez. He met with the press yesterday. He didn't have time to play it, but we will play it today. But, of course, number one song of the day and ask us anything. But right out of the gate. Usually don't on Wednesdays, but again, busy. I thought today would be much better so we could recap the Oklahoma State win yesterday as the Cats get it done. By three points, thanks to a game winner with 2.2 to go on the clock by uh, Nigel Pack and beat the Cowboys. And we're joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, the one and only D.Y. Well, not exactly the only Derek Young out there. You know what? Let's let's start with that question. Derek, have you ever met another Derek Young before? Uh, In person? No. But funny story is I've, I've had problems several times when I go to renew my driver's license because there's always a hold on it where I have to go through a mess because there's a Derek Young in the state of Georgia with the same middle initial that is a criminal. So there's always a block on it and I have to go through a big old mess because of that. Are you, are, wait a minute. Can we confirm this? That we've got the right Derek Young that yeah. we're talking with Yeah, here? Sage, did you double check? Yeah, is this the real DY? Yeah, where's the area code on this? Oh, my God. Find that IP address. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know he sounds like the right one to yeah. me. I've I've gotten on Facebook. I've been on Facebook and looked up my own name to see if there there was like a a writer for Florida State that had the same last Whoa. name and he even added me on Facebook one time. I was like, dude, here's the deal. You're probably a bigger deal than I am, and I don't want to go through that situation where. <laughs> this guy at the airport drives a limo, has Mitch Fortner oh, on no. the card, and he's expecting this big-time rider, sports rider, <laughs> then I show up, and he's all disappointed. <laughs> no, I mean the Florida State Mitch Fortner. Oh, man, because everybody knows that guy. You know, that guy's world famous. So He yes. has like 7,000 followers. Stand not, nothing, aside. I, I, my 2,600 can't, uh, <laughs> can't touch that guy. Uh, with Derek Young, once again, from K-State Online, at DeYoung Rivals. So, yesterday was 2-2-22. Two, two, 
Bramlage Coliseum was literally raining $2 bills. And Nigel Pack hits the game winner with 2.2 on the clock, and he finishes with 22 points. So I mentioned a lot of twos, but it was the three that was a huge shot of the night. My first reaction was when I saw him go out of his hand, I didn't know exactly where he was from the floor. Wasn't paying attention to that. I just knew when he was the safety valve and the ball was lobbed to him, I was like, it's not leaving his hands. It's his shot. He's going to take it, redeem himself from the KU game. As soon as it left his hand, I was like, it's money. It's going in. The place pops. It just more than popped the boys. It popped K-State's fan base. Uh, D.Y., were you the same way? Did you feel like it was going in, or uh, were you thinking overtime? Yeah, you know, in the moment, and we don't have a really good uh, perception of where he is on the floor either because we're, we're behind the baseline where we're located, you know, where the media sit for the ball game. And I didn't realize he was so deep until I saw the replay. I guess I thought he was closer to the three-point line. Had I known he was as deep as he was, I probably wouldn't have shared the same confidence level that I did when the ball was in the air because um, for me, it just felt like the right time and I thought he was going to hit it. I, I wasn't really concerned at all. My concern was, you know, how good of a look they were going to get. Um, you know, you're inbounding the ball in a tricky spot. And they've struggled to inbound the ball a few times in that game. So as long as they got the ball into Nigel's hands, I, I felt pretty comfortable with that. But, I, you know, once that happened, I was very confident, but yeah, I didn't realize the, it was such a deep shot until I saw, you know, several of the replays afterwards, and I probably wouldn't have held that same confidence had I, had I known that. And as you said, that that's the same shot he missed against Kansas. Um, this one might have been even a hair deeper, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he, he missed a similar one against Oklahoma, so a third time's a charm for Nigel. Boy, I... You brought up the Oklahoma game. I completely yeah. forgot about that opportunity. Yeah, that that completely left my mind just a few minutes after that took place uh, with Derek Young from K State Online. So uh, I do want to bring up Davion Bradford. There has been a change to the stats from last night. So originally he ended with seven points, but K State they went back and reviewed some tape. They watched some film and they noticed on one of the tip ins that he was credited for, according to the official stats, it was actually Mark Smith who tipped in the offensive board. And it was a great play by Mark Smith, which, by the way, I announced it as Mark Smith when the ball so went in. It. So I'm taking credit, Ooh. at least partially, for that uh, stat change. But now it's a Davion Bradford line of five points. And three rebounds. We know the struggle from the fives. As a matter of fact, I don't think God, that might actually be the best post presence as a five we've seen in a little while. I don't think a, it's two two uh, rebounds now instead of three because the, yeah. he, he loses the two points from that, but he loses the offensive rebound as well. But I, I, I mean, I was doing some research. I, the fives, if you combine their numbers, they have not combined for more than three made baskets since the Nebraska game. What? It's been that long. Oh, my God. Yeah, a God. long time. But oh, Ishmael, oh, unless you count Ishmael Massoud, right? I was not uh, counting him because of uh, Carlton Lingard, who has been getting play during Big 12 play. So when he got three fives, yeah. and those are the guys who are going to post up. I mean, Ish isn't going to post up. I'm talking like that no. kind of paint presence, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yeah, he, he plays a little bit, but you're probably right. But even if you do count Masood, I think the only game um, since Nebraska that it might have counted would have, would have been what Ish did against West Virginia anyways. But with Davion getting five, I mean, are you like, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it for now. Feels like a step in the right direction. I mean, it's, but I think that's just because of how low the bar kind of was um, entering the game. So 
you know, it's it's like you do you just take incremental progress. I think you'll take what you can get at this point. Um, it wasn't one of the more abysmal. I mean, we've seen some really poor basketball from that spot on the floor for Kansas State this year. Um, there's really no way to sugarcoat it. It's really been a a hindrance, a deterrent, anything, you know, any descriptive word you want to use for it, that's what it's been. So for last night, for it to be, I guess we want to call it less of a liability, then I guess you just take the glimmer of hope, step in the right direction, and kind of hope it just continues in that trajectory. And something that might go unnoticed in the box score, Bradford played 26 and a half minutes. That's a season high for Davion yeah. Bradford. And I would imagine it's because, well, they needed the length. They needed some higher hands to go get some rebounds, which K-State only lost the rebounding margin, the rebounding battle by one. And it's the first time this season K-State won a game that they didn't lead in rebounding. They're now one in eight. I'll just kind of go back to what I said earlier. Yeah, I guess I'll take it for now, but you definitely got to see more. Um, Now, defensively for Oklahoma State, I wanted to bring that up because I was was scratching my head. I'm like, Mike Boynton was – running a little zone so I was wondering if like are you were you kind of scratching your head wondering why they were going zone a little bit yeah because I thought that's what kind of got Nigel Pack on in the first half I mean, we don't see them vary their defensive looks that much at Oklahoma State they've you know they're so athletic they've been relatively a man team on the defense and they don't really switch up defenses and looks throughout a game or even a half and we saw that in the first half against Kansas State so and they made the adjustment um, did less of that in the second half. I don't know if we saw them in the second half. Um, so that was the adjustment. I think Kansas State kind of cooled off a bit. Nigel Pack kind of cooled off a bit. That They had attacked the rim a little bit more. And, and was, actually, when kids, they went downhill and tried to attack the lane. When it wasn't Mark Smith, it really wasn't working. Um, and that's probably because of the size disadvantage. And, and I really thought, you know, despite the win, and you'll take a win no matter what, trust me, I get that if you're Kansas State, especially in Big 12 play in this particular season. But I thought last night was the first time, at least on the defensive end and in some cases on the offensive end, but mostly on the defensive ends where it's felt the most is where you realize just how limited you are from a physical standpoint when you have Mark Keith Noel and Nigel Pack both on the court at the same time because it just felt like Oklahoma State could kind of get any look they wanted from an outside perspective, especially who was it? Bryce Thompson really got going. Keelan Boone really got going. And they just could jump. I mean, jump a little bit and they get a free look just because of the of the height discrepancy between those guys and, and guys like Pack and, and Noel. And even and it was a pretty good, you know, schematic um, uh, playing uh, by Mike Boynton at one point too. And they were inbounding the ball underneath their own basket and they just put their guards under the ramp. And their guards were being defended by Nigel Pack and Noel. And I know you'll probably remember this. There was one time when they were inbounding the ball underneath the rim to just lobbed it up, and it was just a, like an easy two points. Like they just stole yeah, it. Over Marquise. Just, yeah, just jumped over Noel. It was the easiest bucket of the game. Yeah, and I, I'll give credit to Oklahoma State. They're, they had good ball movement. They were getting some open shooters. And I thought maybe that was where they could have really used – K-State could have really used Selton Miguel and try to close out on some of those three-point shooters. Yep. But also there was a shooter going off that shouldn't have been, and that was Rondell Walker, number five. And he had a season-high 18 points, a season-high four three-pointers. He is not a solid three-point shooter, guys. This is a player – it took him 11 games to get four three-pointers. And he makes four of them last night – 
against K-State. And when that's happening and Oklahoma State is responding with runs of their own, like they're winning every other four-minute or uh, four minute segment, I'm thinking to myself, God, come on. Like this is the game K-State needs. They, this, they can't lose it. They can't afford to lose it. And you have Oklahoma State hitting these shots that don't, they don't normally make. That's where I thought K-State was just going to lose this game by Oklahoma State just getting some lucky buckets from guys that don't usually hit long range. But you were mentioning Bryce Thompson, season-high 22 points on a season-high 10 made field goals. Guys were just uh, – I mean, Bryce Thompson was getting to the hoop and Rondell Walker was making threes. It was kind of – Oklahoma State at time, they were just making shots wherever they wanted to, it felt like. Yeah, in the case of Rondell Walker, if you're Kansas State, you wanted him to shoot, so it's not even that poor of defense. It's just his night sometimes, and you got to live with that, but you'd rather him beat you than, than somebody else. I don't know how else you defend that, right? If he's not shooting well from the three-point line, if he wants to shoot it from there, go for it, buddy, because you haven't made it that well or at a regular clip all season. So, I mean, that was the scouting report, and you can't really deny that logic. It's just the way that it kind of unfolded. At the end of the day, they just enough defense, especially late in the game, to to keep it alive. But where credit's due, this has been a little bit different of a Bruce Weber team this year, where, at, where really their, their best traits are three-point shooting, or at least one of them. And, and part of that's Nigel Pack, you know, going in flamethrower mode and just being, you know, unconscious from the perimeter. But at the end of the day, Kansas State, they're winning some of these games because they're knocking down shots from the outside. Yeah, K-State did finish the game 44%, 39% from three. They were 9 of 23, which is actually like eight or nine threes. That's actually a a game-by-game thing usually for the Cats. It's uh, not a bad average. but um, One of the best three-point shooting teams in the the Big 12 right now. If not not the best, they might be number one. They were – I know they were top three, and they might have been actually number one. Actually – they were uh, Baylor's up there. Yeah, yeah, going into the KU game, I believe KU and K State had made the exact same amount of three pointers. Which you can believe that, as uh, you would look at KU as more of a powerhouse three point shooting team. At least you would think, right? Um, so I'll, I'll leave you with this as we talk K State men's basketball. With Derek Young from K State Online. I asked Kels this question, and this was before the Oklahoma State game, but right. I, I know K State. They're no longer on Joe Lenardi's like next four out they're not technically a bubble team but they are also like kind of the outside looking in so they're still kind of right there I suppose but still a ton of work to do so I guess where would you put your optimism for the rest of this regular season as it stands right now well after the Ole Miss game I thought it was dead me too completely dead I did I just I couldn't foresee a scenario but the funny thing is like last night's game was pretty critical because I think your standing in the Big 12 conference is probably going to matter a little bit because it's, you know, by the metrics considered the best league in the country. Kansas State's sitting there tied for sixth, four-way tie. Don't get me wrong. Like, you lose one game, you can be in ninth. I, I get that, or, or tenth for that matter. But right now they're tied for sixth, and there's going to be at least six teams to make it to the Big 12 tournament. So they've, for some reason, it's just how this – years unfolded a very wacky way i mean they they can be dead and gone one night and two nights later you know because of other results they have a significant game and come away with the win over oklahoma state at home which doesn't seem like great on the surface but again it pushes them from being ninth or tenth in the league to now in a four-way tie for sixth place and, and you gotta believe the door is at least cracked a little bit just just because of where you sit in, in those in that pecking order um, but how they fare against those teams that they're tied with the rest of the year will probably matter 
quite a bit. And obviously they still have a home game left with Oklahoma. Um, they still have to go to Stillwater, I believe. And they still play Iowa State twice, I think. So um, those those ball games are going to be critical. With Derek Young from K-State Online. So we're going to wrap up the basketball talk. And, D.Y., when we, when we come back, you're our recruiting guy. And the Cats add four more to the 2022 class. We'll ask Derek about those gentlemen when we come back on the game. I'm just enjoying the riff. I forget. I, I put this song in there, and I can't remember where I got it from. Well, I'll tell you, that's a little chunky soup there. I like that. Does it? What does it say there, Sage? It says "Masquerade of Madness." Masquerade. Why can I? Why am I? I'm thinking King Diamond. Ooh. It might be King Diamond. Masquerade. Look that up, Sage. It might be King Diamond. I think it's Cinderella. Yeah, King Diamond. There we go. Everybody listening, probably, and then it just shuts up. <laughs> I would imagine. Dy, have you ever heard of King Diamond before? I have not. Boy, no. are you ready for some high pitched singing and metal music? <laughs> no, no one. Everybody's like, nah, not right now. Maybe, yeah. maybe later. Yeah, you got to be in this the right mood. Most people have to be in the right mood to hear anything like that. Yeah, uh, we're back with Derek Young from K State Online. Uh, we just had this conversation off the air. Is it disrespectful to call a coach by their first name? You know, I, I don't know that it's disrespectful, but it, it's not my MO. I think yeah. it's just everyone has a different take on that. I don't know that there's a certain thing that's wrong or not, but I've, I've never felt comfortable just for myself to call a coach by their first name. As I noted, it would be like walking into the, uh, into the White House. Hey, Joe. Joe? <laughs> yeah. I, I can't. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel. Uh, similar to that, uh, probably. Yeah, that, that's a, it's probably my take on it. I don't I don't know that. It's, I, I wouldn't say that it's wrong or that I would try to cancel someone that did, obviously. But uh, I, I, I can't bring myself to do it. Like, I, I would be – it always bothered me when, like, people would call Bill Snyder Bill, you know. Co- instead of coach hey coach hey bill like oh. that he might as well just change his name legally to coach snyder because <laughs> i don't know anybody that calls him bill but it, maybe that's just my thing i played sports up until you know i did the intramurals in college and stuff but i played sports all through my childhood and can never imagine calling somebody by their first name that wow. as a coach that's their life he's coach that, yeah. yes that's I mean, coach. And even even with me it's and it's not just like guys i cover right I feel the same way. Like if I go to a high school football game, I'm going to call a high school coach coach too. I just, that's just, it's kind of how I'm bred, I guess. We're with Derek Young from K-State Online. D.Y., before we get to the news of yesterday with the four signees, um, I, I did want to ask you actually about your opinion on the, the news that came out yesterday. Um, it hasn't been officially announced yet by K-State, but it does sound you know pretty strong. First coming from Pete Thamel on Twitter. Tad, uh, I'm sorry, Thad Ward coming from Temple uh, to become the new K-State wide receivers coach. Just your thoughts. Yeah, and it's Pete Pete Thamel's, you know, he's he's usually honest stuff. Uh, That's one of the best national reporters that college football has. And I think he's now at ESPN. He was at Yahoo. Um, I've been able to confirm that that's that that sure seems like the choice, what it's going to be. We had it down – we had it down to where 
it was probably going to be one of two guys. We didn't know the specific names in, until the, the Thamel report, obviously, but it sounded like uh, at the beginning of this week, they had two more interviews and those were the two final contenders for the job. So it's likely going to be him from what it sounds like to us as well at KSO. And, you know, on the surface, I think this is about, might be one of my favorite hires just specifically to what they need because he has been more so known for his recruiting jobs as a coach. And um, I'm sure he can coach the heck out of football too. Don't get me wrong. Um, he's been, you know, a lot, a lot of places and he's had some guys under his tutelage that have went into the NFL draft. So I, I think he's certainly capable, you know, on that side of things too. But I, you know, whenever in the, in the last 24 hours and I've kind of reached out to people that might know him or know of him, and what he's been able to do throughout his career, it just certainly sounds like, you know, he's more known for a, the recruiting side of things. And I do think that they um, could have used an assistant coach that fits that profile, that that is kind of more suited to do that part of the job. I, I think that would be big for them. So I'm kind of excited that they kind of, I guess, prioritized that part of the job with this hire. Yeah, I, I won't get too much into this. I'll, we'll get more into it here on the game when K State officially announces it, just to be sure. Uh, but you know, one thing that did stand out to me, he he's also coached running backs in his time, and he, you know, wasn't too long ago he he coached one of the best running backs in the country. You would consider in Reggie Corbin at Illinois, who ran for over a thousand yards, and he had the best yards per carry in the entire country at eight and a half. So if, you mentioned the recruiting, but it sounds like yes, he can also. Uh, develop some guys so i'm excited to if if it is true but hey dy says case online has confirmed it we believe him breaking some news here on the game that uh that award's going to be the new wide receivers coach and the last hire for the uh, coaching staff for coach climbing heading to the 2022 season now dy we jump into uh you know the four guys that were signed yesterday to the national uh, letters of intent become a part of the 2022 class the quarterback, Adrian Lara, we've talked a lot about him. I did have another question, though, for you, D.Y., because he was committed to Washington State. He backed out of that when Nick Rolovich was fired and there was a change of the guard. Do you know who was in competition along with K-State when he was being recruited again? Because I'm sure you know, the original teams that were after him, they may have signed somebody else, so they didn't want him anymore. Yeah, I mean, everybody had their every, almost everybody had their quarterback by that point, so there wasn't a whole lot of competition for him at you know, at that juncture of his recruitment, like you said, um, he dropped out of the Washington State class voluntarily um, just before signing day, really. So he took some time in between Rolovich being let go. I think his office coordinator was, you know, um, in the, the scheme there was in flux. So he decided to jet, but, you know, he didn't really give himself a lot of options for, you know, just by the timetable that he chose to do so. But I think Kansas State if, – if, I think there was one school that was trying to keep him away from the Wildcats, but I, I think that was Fresno State, but I don't know that anyone else other than Fresno State was involved. I guess you could say it's a great thing that he fell into uh, K-State's lap at that point. As Coach Kleiman, he said it multiple times during this offseason, they're always looking for a quarterback to add to the class. Uh, meanwhile, the one Juco transfer that was announced out of the four guys is Vice Alamalu. And the defensive tackle from Hawaii, but he played a year at Garden City Community College. Um, I, I don't know much about him. I did watch a little bit of his film. I, I love his size. He's kind of like an Eli Huggins. Is that a good comparison? Yeah, he might be bigger, though. I mean, Eli's, I think, a hair under 
300 pounds. I think Saimala was going to be over 300 pounds. Interestingly enough, he played high school quarterback. So that's a big, big quarterback. Maybe <laughs> a little Jared Lorenzen high school action there. You know, one of the more appealing things about him, and I don't know that he's going to be an instant impact guy, even though he's a Juco, just because he hasn't really played that much football in his life. I think he's only played football for two or three years. So this guy's very young and in his football life at this point, and he's a very large human being. Um, not as long as Timmy Horn, but we're probably talking about someone as massive, as wide as that. Um, if you're trying to get an idea of what he may look like physically, but yeah, he was a high school quarterback. So he was a Jared Lorenton at the high school level at once at some point, uh, just a couple of years of football. And I think he has four years of eligibility to play three at Kansas state. So it's someone with a, you know, it could very well redshirt, but he'll have, he has three years of eligibility to play anyway, at Kansas state. Well, and I'll add to that. I would think, you know, defensive line is where K-State feels it's got the most depth heading into this next season. So it might be – he just might have to wait his turn. You know, there's a, there's quite a bit of talent there unless he just completely shows off in the the upcoming, you know, spring ball. Or I don't know. When did, when does he get here? Is it not until the summer? Yeah, he's, he's going to be a summer guy. Okay. I mean, yeah, so he, he, he may not play right away. Um, and it wouldn't be a surprise if he doesn't. And it's not a bad thing if he doesn't. Kind of a developmental – you know, in the, what are they NBA? They 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 sign or they draft some of those players overseas, and they just stash them for a couple of years before they even make it to the to the United States. It's almost kind of a situation like that where he you you, you sign them, but he might be stashed for a year or two. Essentially, a futures contract, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it, definitely along those lines. And but I I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas State still tries to add another transfer defensive tackle. I mean, we know Eli Huggins and Robert Hentz are coming back, but I think. You know, one more wouldn't hurt. Unfortunately, we're running a little short on time here, D.Y., so I'll just kind of ask you the two players in one question. Uh, Jacob Parrish, a a defensive back who was a track star, but so is Tyson Struber, uh, who was the eight-man player of the year for Kansas, uh, the state of Kansas. Uh, Both of these guys are athletic and sounds like they can play multiple positions. Yeah, they probably signed both as an athlete. I think Parrish will at least begin at Kansas State on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary and, and Struber on the offensive side of the ball, perhaps a wide receiver. I like both quite a bit. Those are the two Kansas kids, Tyson Struber. He needs to hit the weight room you know, pretty hard, but if he really embraces that side of things and his development, he has a pretty high ceiling of potential. Then with Jacob Parrish, you know, we broke it on KSO probably about a week ago, but he's no longer a blue shirt, and that was mainly – and Chris Kleiman admitted that was a game of keep away why they, they did that strategy and took that off of him because, you know, they had to make sure they were going to get him. He got some really late interest and in offer action from the likes of Kansas, Missouri, Iowa State, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. So he's definitely someone that was probably a late bloomer, but he just exploded onto the scene. All right, Derek, we're, uh, we got to go. So, I hey, I appreciate your time once again, and we'll talk to you, I'm sure, next week. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Derek Young from K-State Online at D Young Rivals. Of course, they are just pumping out the content. It is cooking over there at kstateonline.com. Go subscribe and keep up to date on what's going on with K-State Athletics and go give uh, those folks on the forums uh, some hell with their uh, with their opinions. <laughs> All right, let's take a timeout because coming up next, K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty. The 25th ranked team in the land, your K-State women's basketball team is now 16-6 and six on the year, 6-4 and four 
in Big 12 play, which is brutal for everybody in the league. It is the toughest league in women's college basketball. Cats coming off a win against TCU Saturday, 63-54. They lose last night at number 11 Iowa State, 70-55. We're now joined by the uh, head coach of the Wildcats, Jeff Mitty, and first coach, Thank you for your time, and I want to start with asking about the TCU win as a couple of freshmen come up with some big threes in the fourth quarter. You start with almost a five-minute drought, and then Jalen Glenn comes up big with you're up two, now you're up five, and Serena Sundell helps kind of clinch the victory with a late three. But just you know, overall, it was an up-and-down game, but how did you feel about the team's performance? Well, I thought, I thought it was a gritty performance. I thought that uh, the end of the game, uh, it was nice to see some players that had struggled uh, step up and make some big shots. You know, we have uh, Jay hits the three right in front of the bench. Uh, Ebert, or, um, Serena gets the corner three, and then Ebert gets the drive from the elbow to, to give us, I think, a seven- or eight-point lead. But, you know, it was kind of tough sledding all day long um, in terms of just finding points. Early in the game, I thought our defense, was not very good. They had a good rhythm against our zone, but I thought our man defense uh, for three quarters after that was really pretty good. And then you fall last night at Iowa State. I was at Bramlage, so I wasn't really able to watch the game. Uh, but I know Iowa State's the best three-point shooting team in the conference, and they had a big third quarter. Was that a big difference? Was Iowa State's uh, just shooting overall? Well, I think it was You know, our inability to get any rhythm offensively again uh, early in this game was really impactful. Lee, Lee had a tough start. Uh, they were doing a good job on her. Uh, they were really sagging off on the perimeter, and, and we just struggled to make shots. I think, you know, I have the stat sheet in front of me, but I think it was like three of 16 in the first half, and uh, those are all open shots. So, you know, those are things that, um, you know, it, it, we've got to shoot it better. We've talked about that, and there are times when we shoot it really well, but there are other times when we struggled. And certainly the more we struggle, the more crowd uh, we're going to see around Lee. So, um, And then the big third quarter by them. We did a good job on their threes early in this game, and then the third quarter they have a tendency to, 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 to find, uh, you know, uh, some open looks. And when you give them open looks, they're going to knock them down most of the time. So um, we've got to do a better job there. We've only lost one game at home on the road. You've lost the last three in Big 12 play. Is the common thread, like if you had to pinpoint one thing, is the common thread just the slow starts to the game? Yeah, I know. yeah, definitely, definitely. The common thread with that has just been uh, – initially we come out of the gates and we just haven't come out very good offensively. I took a timeout very early, a minute and a half into the game last night because we had had five breakdowns of things that we were supposed to do, both ends of the floor. And so we've got to get more confidence in that area. We've got to do a better job of execution in that area uh, at both ends. And um, there were things that were uncharacteristic of us last night early in that game that I didn't like. Um, and some of it is you're, 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 you're now the hunted. You're ranked, you're the hunted, you're, you're playing in a ranked game, and so we've got to be able to handle those things better. Certainly the Texas one was similar. And um, I, I will say this, Mitch, there are some growing pains with this young group, but um, they come in every day. They came in. We had a good film session this morning. It was not a pretty film session. There were a lot of things that they didn't like to see. But um, we'll get it corrected. We'll get it corrected, and this group continues to uh, work hard and 
Um, we've got a big one. Uh, we've got a big one Saturday with Texas Tech because uh, they handled us in Lubbock, um, and they handled us uh, pretty handily in Lubbock. And uh, we've got a big one Saturday. I think this has been brought up before between us, or like in a media gathering. But last week, I think it was the first time that Aoka Lee actually made a comment on it when she was asked about when she does start to expand her game even more when she starts to now maybe transition to the professional level after next season. And she was asked about three-point shooting, which as far as I know, she's never taken a three-point shot in her entire K-State career. Have you ever seen her take one in practice? Is is, is that even something she messes around with? Uh, Well... You know, we'll do some shooting competitions, and uh, oh, she'll make them, too. Um, she'll make them. I mean, she's got a good touch. Uh, it, it isn't something that I would say that she's comfortable with in any flow of the game, but we're, when we're doing a uh, top-of-the-key shooting contest or we're doing corner threes, corner threes probably not so much, but top-of-the-key, she's got a pretty good – she's got a decent stroke there. I don't know if we'll get there. There's a big difference between shooting it in a shooting competition uh, than, than in a game and the flow of things. But um, I, I would not be surprised to see her expand to 16, 17 feet. She's got a good touch from that area. After the 61 points, you've played three games against Big 12 opponents. Have you seen the defenses do a better job of trying to lock her down? Yeah, there's no question. Um, and, and I say do a better job. But they're, they're more committed to making our third and fourth options make plays. And I think, you know, TCU referenced that, that uh, not that Serena and Jarrah are third or fourth options. They're certainly not. But they were committed to not letting Lee get the ball late in the game. And so our players had to step up and make plays. And um, I think our group will get more confident uh, in doing that. And uh, hopefully we're going to coach him better here going forward. But um, we've seen uh, Iowa State was very committed to uh, sitting in the lap in certain areas of the floor on lead and make sure that uh, she didn't get off uh, like she did last time against them. It's no question who your most popular players are. It's the three freshmen and also Aoka Lee, but Ebony Ebert has done some great things this year. Laura Mackey, I think, is having a pretty decent senior year trying to go out with a bang, of course. But I guess the question is, with the limited time they get, even though your bench is limited – You've been playing with 10 players pretty much the whole season. How can the bench step up and make things better for the starters? You know, it's a good question because I wouldn't say that we have a lot of scoring over there necessarily, but I think uh, if they can play their role, and and what I mean by playing their role, you look at a player like Goodrich, uh, if she can get pressure on the rim, that's something that is very valuable to us. Jada Moore is kind of a, uh, her and Briley are the same in regards to their rap players. They're tough, scrappy players. Uh, we've got to get that energy from Jada when she comes into the game. Dallinger's, we continue to encourage her to have that sniper attitude that, you know, she's going to come in and find a way to get six or seven threes off and, and be impactful. And when she's done that, we've been a, a, a different, uh, we've been a different offense. Um, Taylor Lauterbach, you know, when she comes in, uh, she's got to give us that rim protector. And, and because when we lose Lee um, or when we rest Lee, we've got to make sure that uh, we're at least holding serve during that stretch. Speaking with K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty, so I know you guys ran the uh, you know the 61 
dollar promotion for season tickets for next year with also a ticket to the rest of the home games for this season. And I heard that went pretty well. I don't have exact numbers, but it went pretty well. Also selling tickets for the rest of the year went pretty well when they were a dollar apiece. And again, I don't have the exact numbers, but expecting a pretty solid crowd Saturday night, 630 when he hosts Texas Tech, you talked about the Red Raiders for just a moment, but you know, if you get down to the keys of how do you avoid what happened in Lubbock three weeks ago, what does it take? Well, certainly scoring the ball uh, better than we did there. We really struggled. That was uh, that was a game that uh, when we look back on tape, it's not really recognizable. We we just did not play well at all and, and, and give them credit. I will say this. You look up and down the league, Mitch, and, and this is the strongest year you look at uh, Texas Tech, they went into Texas and won, um, and they shot 44 free throws in Austin. Um, I don't even know if we shot four free throws in Austin. I can't remember. But um, this league this year, everybody has gotten big wins on their night. So you better show up ready to play. It really starts with Vivian Gray because she is such a great scorer for them. Uh, she hurt us in Lubbock. We've really got to make sure that uh, uh, she does not get her mid-range game going. And then we've got to make sure that uh, their shooters are harassed better than they were in Lubbock. And then I'd like to see us offensively um, continue to move the basketball better. I, I thought uh, it was a good sign last night. Briley Glenn had a huge fourth quarter. That's now double. Uh, that's back-to-back games of double-figure scoring. So, um, those are good signs for us. And I did think we moved the ball better late in the game last night than we did early. It's the National Girls and Women in Sports Day game for the K-State women when they host Texas Tech Saturday at 6.30. And, of course, before we talk again, Coach, you'll play at Baylor on Wednesday at 7. But, Coach, I'll, I'll let you go now. Good luck against Texas Tech on Saturday. All right, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Coach. Once again, that's... KC Women's Basketball Coach Jeff Mitty on the game. We'll wrap up Hour 1 next. Now, I don't know if K-State has a strong relationship with, like, Fanatics, the you know, the company that sound, sells sports apparel, mm-hmm. college apparel. I don't know what that relationship is like. I don't know how, how that all works. But it came out earlier today that Fanatics, along with one team, they have – they have merged in a way to start selling college athletic jerseys with last names on oh. them. And the athletes will get a piece of the pie, oh, which boy. is obviously, you know, it's about time. Yeah. I mean, that's the one part of NIL where the money that's going to be made is really solely based on the popularity, sure. how, how good you are. Like, if you're good, it's like, you know, it's like professional sports. If you're good, you're popular, you're going to sell jerseys, you're going to make more money. Now, I know like a professional wrestling, they sell T-shirts. The compensation, like what you get, what your piece of the pie is extremely small. Right. I mean, you're talking pennies for every shirt is that's sold. I don't know what it's going to be like for these college athletes, but I'll just tell you this. Deuce Vaughn is about to make bank. <laughs> He's going right? to bank so hard. Because we're talking little kid jerseys, too. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> little kid jerseys are going to be popping yeah, off. It's no longer that you have to go, you know, Ask the people at the at the sporting goods store that hey, can you press Vaughn on the back of this jersey when uh-huh. you want to get it personalized? Now you can just buy it that uh-huh. way. Less work for the folks that work at those stores, 
and more money in the pocket for these players. I, 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 I'm just thinking about, I mean, wouldn't those kids' jerseys be actual size? <laughs> They're a real deal, man. This hey, is easy. Big. I'm his size, all right? You're going to say this sweater is a kid's size? And well, It's a medium. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I, okay, listen, I get it. I'm the guy that needs to be wearing, you know, something along the size of Dalton Reisner's jersey. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's going to be awesome. I, I wanted that so badly as a K-State fan. When I was a kid, I wanted to wear a Michael Bishop jersey. I wanted to wear a Jeff Kelly jersey, but I didn't want the one with the no name on the back. Yeah, I wanted the name on the back. It's going to be interesting because Fanatics has also taken over uh, one of the card companies. So that trading cards. You know, I have a whole bunch of those that I've been trying to get rid of, but apparently you got to get them like appraised and graded and all Let's this nonsense. Let's start trading them. Jeez. Let's start trading them. Who knew trading cards are so lucrative back na- uh, now? Like right. once again, they are, but you got to get them great. Like it's so much effort. You got to cycle it cycled every time. It's like a twenty-year deal. You got a Beckett on you? You can check some prices. I got some OJ Simpsons. Oh, rookies. They're rookies, but they're not graded, so they're not worth anything. Uh. Hour two of the game is next.